everybody. Welcome back to Hoops and Wine. This is number five now, and we have had quite the day in Kingsland, even though we have not been playing in the playoffs. So, instead of wine tonight, I actually needed a little bit of whiskey help <laughs> to get through this. So, not only did we have Luca going off in the bubble, we were also graced with Donovan Mitchell going off. Now, I think what a lot of people don't necessarily understand is Kings fans for years, and I'm talking year, a good couple years, uh, prior to Luca even being in the draft, it was always projected he was going to be, you know, hitting this year. But as Kings fans, we know we're always going to be in the lottery, right? So for years, a good portion of Kings Twitter, come Real Madrid game day for Luca, we would be passing around the streaming links so we could watch him. We all saw the talent then. We were all hoping, okay, we figure we're going to be in the lottery. You know, we could hope that, you know, this boy wonder would fall to us. And then to let alone us jump in the lottery, which literally never happens. And we did two years in a row. Never happens. And we did two years in a row. And... (laughs) For the one time, them to not listen to the fans and go a different direction is still haunts us to this day. And as Kings fans, I know you all, um, we're very territorial, territorial here where we can say stuff about them. But when we see national media and outside people going, you know, at Sacramento, we get upset. But at this point, there, there's no justifying. There's nothing we can say. And the one, you know, what I do hate is, is Bagley getting dragged into this because yes, of course, none of this is his fault, you know, and we have seen the flashes of him, but his name is not just getting brought up by Kings fans. It's, it's getting brought up by national media and I feel bad for him in the aspect that he will always be linked to Luca in that sense because he didn't ask for this and he did you know well some could say he did ask to come to the Kings because he was one of the few that you know that worked out for us over the years but that's an unfortunate thing of of being in in sports and, you know, as a player and being in the spotlight. And then we had Mitchell go off in the draft. And this is something that I have always had an issue, at least in the last five years of Vladi being here, when it comes to the draft process around here. One of the things we always heard was he didn't like drafting people that did not work out here. Um, 
you know, there were reports that that the Kings liked Mitchell and they would have taken him with the tenth pick had they not have gotten Fox or, you know, had they had gotten Josh Jackson or Jason Tatum at the five, and then they definitely would have taken Mitchell at the ten. But my whole issue is we are a bad team. We should not be drafting for fit. Bad teams, you draft best player available and you get your assets. If you end up having too much at a position, there are always teams that will covet those. But again, we had players on our team that had not proven anything. So why are we drafting for fit and not best player available? I, I don't understand that mindset. So I can only hope that between everything that happened in the bubble and everything we're seeing play out now, that ownership will open their eyes and get legitimate front office people running this team. I'm over the fans being blamed and, and you know, Kings fans just need to get over it. Why do we need to get over it? What, what has this team done to say Kings fans should be positive or negative or anything? I mean, we have not been shown any kind of confidence over this, these years that we should not be talking about this stuff. And until you show me any kind of competence up there, I'm going to keep talking about it. So that leads me into our first front office candidate for this episode. Eli Whitus. Hopefully I'm sending his last name right. So he's currently the assistant GM of the Rockets. He's also the VP of Basketball Operations. So he started, um, he just started his 11th season with the Rockets and he started out there as a statistical analyst in 2008 and he's led the Rockets analytics department and cap management since his promotion to VP of basketball operations in 2013. So another guy with a lot of experience. So during his 11 year tenure there, he played a prominent role in the configuration of the salary cap management department there. So he works closely with Maury on draft, free agency, trades, salary cap, and management game strategy. As Maury would say, uh, they're on the cutting edge of basketball decision making, and, and he's been key to their ability to put the team in the place they are in today. He said it's important to them organizationally to be flexible and creative as ways to find to their roster and that um, he's at the forefront of that effort, whether it be when they acquired Chris Paul two years ago or when they signed Clint Capella over the summer. 
They're learning. Uh, they lean on him to identify winning players and to figure out the best method of fitting them into that particular team. Maury also goes on to say Eli's one of the smartest people he's ever met and that even before he began working with them, uh, Eli had a great understanding of basketball analytics. It was second to none. He's very creative and navigating the rules of the salary cap. So again, and then Eli was also mentioned this last offseason during the Chicago Bulls front office search. But as we are seeing over the theme of each person I bring in these, they're all in front offices with multiple qualified people. We are seeing it's not one man that does the job. You have your analytics piece, your talent management piece, your your scouting, your player development. And you're, again, we keep seeing how much the Kings did not have that and how much we do need that in order to finally be successful. Next, we're moving on to Justin Zanuck. Now, he's currently the general manager of the Utah Jazz, and he has served in that position since 2019 when he was promoted. So, Just to start off with Justin, he started with the Jazz as the assistant general manager in 2012, and then in 2016, he resigned. He then got the assistant general manager position with the Milwaukee Bucks that same offseason in 2016, and was there until 2017. He then got a promotion to the, well, actually it was just a lateral back to the Jazz in 2017 and as the assistant general manager. And then after one season of serving that position, he was then promoted to the general manager of the Utah Jazz. So you can see he had um, an assistant GM and then GM experience between the Jazz and the Bucks. So some might be wondering why he kind of bounced back and forth. But um, one thing that's interesting is he worked alongside as the assistant general manager for um, the Utah Jazz with Dennis Lindsay as his assistant. Then he moved over to Milwaukee with the assumption that he would then be taking over the general manager position. But when the Bucks then hired John Horst, Zanuck went back to Utah. And then within a year, Lindsay was promoted to v, uh, VP of basketball operations. And that gave more um, day-to-day hands-on control to Justin Zanuck, who was promoted to the general manager position. Some of his first moves over that summer after being promoted was he signed Bohan Bogdanovich, who is a killer shooter, and then he made the trade for Mike Connolly. But not that many people know all that much about Justin. So he had a very interesting career path to becoming an NBA executive. So he was studying to become a professional opera singer at Northwestern, but instead wound up graduating with an economics degree. 
Now, when he was coaching a sixth grade basketball team, he ended up meeting Mark Bartlestein. Now, for those that don't know Mark, he's a big time agent. So he was coaching a sixth grade basketball team and ended up meeting Mark. Now, with his economics degree, they got to talking and he was offered an internship to work at Mark's office. Now, worked out so much, (laughs) Zanuck ended up becoming a respected agent in the league for 15 years. He had really good negotiating skills. So, (laughs) literally went from coaching a sixth grade basketball team to an internship to working as an agent for 15 years to then getting a job with Dennis Lindsay as an assistant GM with the Jazz, then with the Bucks, then back to the Jazz, now as the general manager. I have to say that's probably one of the most interesting um, executive stories you will probably hear. And he's very successful. Now, he's one over the off-seasons we have seen his name mentioned. In 2018, he was a finalist for the Wizards job as well as the 76ers job. Then he got promoted to Utah. And then Chicago, he was a finalist before Arturis was hired this off-season. So, he is one who's very ambitious, but I think you would only be able to get him to come here if it was most likely that VP role, or you gave him those GM duties and, you know, you gave him the free reins that he might not necessarily have under Dennis Lindsay right now as the VP. But I think that's the only way you'd have to pay him and give him full reins. But the way Utah is playing, you know, the last couple of years between their drafting, their free agent signing, their trades, they've been really smart and they've been able to stay relevant. Now, for this third name I'm going to talk about, Bill Branch. Most people have probably not heard his name before, but he's the assistant general manager of the Portland Trailblazers. So... Bill is another guy that has spent 33 years in the NBA. 33 years. He's another guy that has spanned decades and has been able to last in the NBA. He just started his 10th season with the Trailblazers. So most people think Branch actually started his career in Denver, but he's actually from North Carolina. And he started as an intern with the Charlotte Hornets. So he turned his first intern position into a 10-year-long spot with, at that point, the new expansion team's basketball operations staff. So he started, he, after that, he then was, became an administrative assistant with the Hornets player personnel department from 87 to 1990. He then went on to design the team's first computerized scouting database to track collegiate and pro talent. He ended his run with the Hornets as the team's director of scouting. So again, you're seeing a guy work up from an intern, building scouting databases, and then he then became the 
team's director of scouting. So, after he left Charlotte, he then moved on to the Denver Nuggets. So, in 97, he became an advanced scout with the Nuggets, and um, he served in that position until 2002. He was then promoted to the director of scouting with the Nuggets until 2007. Now, he then moved on to an assistant coach position with the Nuggets from 2002 to 2007. So, after 2007, he then was hired as the director of player personnel with the Oklahoma City Thunder. He served in that position until 2010, where he then moved um, to the assistant general manager position with the Portland Trailblazers, where he currently serves in that role. Now, his duties with the Blazers, he helps um, Neil uh, develop the Trailblazers roster and their day-to-day management of basketball operations. So, one of the cool things was during his three-year season with the Oklahoma City Thunder, he served as, like I mentioned, the team's director of pro player personnel, and he contributed to one of the largest turnarounds in NBA history, where the Thunder improved its record by 27 games in 2009, uh, tied for the ninth largest single-season leap in NBA history. So, you know who came. During those times, Harden, Westbrook, and Durant. The team's director of scouting and player personnel, he grabbed those three guys. Some can say they were easy falls, you know, to those spots. But again, he drafted the right guys. And as a Kings fan, honestly, we can't really say, oh, they just made the right picks because we don't know what that's like. This guy did his job. He did it well. And he hit on these picks. And as you're seeing, when he moved over to the Portland Trail Blazers, they have kept hitting their draft picks as well. So again, this is what we were fighting in Western Conference front offices wasn't best friends it wasn't just one cap guru no we had a cap guru we had scouts we had player development again I'm going to keep saying this over and over and over and it's probably tiring of hearing but again these are the front offices we're facing in the western conference The talent is already hard enough. We don't need to be outmatched in our front office as well. So please, 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 I'm hoping with everybody else that we have a successful search. We take these things into consideration. And... Our bar, we're hearing minority owners setting the bar for Scott Perry because, oh my God, he got Fox to come and work out here. If that is our bar, 
then we're not going anywhere for the foreseeable future.